New beginnings. We kissed. What we did is done. I know what kind of girl you really are. Bitter endings. I don't want to leave. So don't. This is the episode. One week without magic. That's easy. Where everything changes. Don't leave me. Lord. An all-new Buffy. <laughs> Welcome to Blood Rites and Sacrifices, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. This is a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago, and this week's episode is Season 6, Episode 8, Tabula Rasa. We'll be talking about plot, we'll be talking about characters, and we'll be talking about memory loss. So, light-hearted fun, and spoilers abound for this episode, every episode before it, after it, the comics, and probably other shows and movies fine. Just stay there and make a podcast. That's a capital plan. Hello, hello, welcome back to another wonderful episode. My name is Kelly and I'm here with my amazing co-host Stacia. Say hello. Hello. And my other co-host Daniel. Say hello. Time, time, time. It's what turns pods yes. into podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> little po- pod fledgling. Little podlets. I know. That's how they start. It's cute. Um, we are here to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, specifically season six, episode eight, Tabula Rasa, which originally aired on November 13th, the year 2001. Written by Rebecca Rand Kirshner. This is four of eight for her. Last one was Tough Love, and next will be Hell's Bells, and directed by David Grossman. 11 of 12 for him. Last one was bargaining part two and the next and last for him will be first date which is a season seven episode so we'll see him again for a while uh hey what happened in this episode um we're all totally fine with the huge revelation that buffy was in heaven everybody's doing really good uh we're having a an awkward maybe post-dinner conversation between xander anya Tara and Willow, wherein Willow was like, hey, I'll do a spell to make Buffy forget that she was in heaven, and Tara doesn't take that so well, because guess what? Willow's been fucking mind-wiping her with that same spell for who knows how long, at least two times we know for sure, right? So, or at least, is it just once? At least once. once. Yeah, that we know for sure, but I feel like maybe she's done it other times, I don't know. Can't be trusted, because she's the bad guy! Anyway, uh, Willow says... Well, Tara gives her an ultimatum. Hey, stop doing magic or I'm going to leave you. And Willow's like, yeah, no problem. I'll stop doing magic. I could Just a week? I got this. Cut to the next day, Willow uses magic to try to erase not only Buffy's memory to forget about her painful past, but probably, Tara, well, no, definitely Tara's memory to forget about this conversation again. Because it's really cool to do that to people. Uh, in classic Willow fashion, the spell goes awry because she leaves an unintended fire uh, in the Summer's home and it catches the additional spell ingredients that were also right next to the fire uh, on fire as well. So instead of just wiping the memory of Tara and Buffy, it wipes the memories of all the Scoobies. I don't know why just all the Scoobies and not everyone in town or who, I don't know, maybe because they were, it's whoever was the close proximity to the crystal, i.e. Willow. Who knows? We don't need to know. It's fine. But everyone's memory gets wiped temporarily. Hilarity ensues. Uh, some of the funniest stuff on the show. And then all of that uh, good times comes to a crashing halt when the spell is ended by Xander crushing the the, the crystal, the all important spell crystal, uh, and returning everybody's memory. And Tara fucking does what she says she's gonna do. She uh, leaves Willow. And also, I forgot to mention, Giles is like, "Hey, I'm leaving for reasons." Deuces, and he does. So Tara's gone. Giles gone. Everyone's sad. And Buffy and Spike make out. All right. 
Fun facts. Are they fun? Are they ever fun? Uh, in the comics, remember those? You don't remember those? I don't remember these because I didn't get to season 10. In season 10, issue number one, Buffy cites Giles leaving in this episode as the moment when the group started falling apart. And uh, I feel like that's kind of fair. I, I Maybe you could make the argument. I think it's when Joyce dies, honestly. I think start, stuff starts going down poor, you know, quickly after that. Or you could say Buffy dying again, either way. But uh, Spike slash Randy's tweed outfit that he's wearing is very, very similar, if not the exact outfit from Restless. And in that episode, because when him and Giles are swinging on the swing set, uh, Giles says, he's like a son to me about Spike. Funny, because that's who they assume their relationship is in this episode. Come on, put your back into it. A watcher scoffs at gravity. And then also, Xander's saying, you got to keep moving, got to keep going forward. And and Buffy says, like a shark. And he says, yeah, like a shark with much less fins and much more legs. Like the shark man in this episode. Uh, so, you know, basically, this is just Restless come coming and back up again. There was this was the moment. This was you know everybody talks about the clock and all the bullshit, all the symbolism, yada yada. Buffy's gonna die. It's about this, okay? It's about the shark guy, and I'm glad someone was keeping tabs on that. Uh, the shark guy it has a name. His name is Teeth because of course it is. <laughs> and Teeth actually shows up in the comics too. He shows up in Angel After the Fall as one of the like demon mob bosses that's around. So Teeth, Sweet. what the fuck? Uh, Anthony Stewart Head had this to say about kissing Emma Caulfield. My children saw it and said, ew, you kissed Anya. I told them, I know, but it was over very quickly, and we didn't enjoy it. Thank God nobody ever asked me to kiss Allison because that would have been weird. It was weird enough with Emma. I'm glad it was over quickly. Weird. Not right. (laughs) 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 I hope he delivered it in exactly that cadence, too, and switched to an American accent for it, why not? (laughs) That's how not right it was. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is super important to know, so pay attention. That's how you know it's not going to matter. Uh, in French, this episode doesn't work because not only is it full of like American versus British idioms and stuff, but the character of Xander, his name has always been Alexander in the French version. So when Don does the amazing Alex, it's like, oh yeah, well, that's that's his thing. It's not funny because that's his name. And that's one of my favorite jokes in the whole episode. Uh, also, Randy's name is translated to... or. I guess just the word. Maybe they didn't recognize that was his name. It's, it can't translate it to Candide, which is just French for candid. Uh, not horny. So I don't really know. I don't know what they were doing there. Anyway, don't watch the French version of this. <laughs> it's really important. Damn, uh, my favorite hobby. <laughs> See what you get for taking French instead of Sumerian? Stacia. Yeah. Did you like this episode? Yeah, it's hilarious. Right? Do you think it's good beyond the funny? Like the the like dramatic important parts that actually carry over to next week. Yeah. Okay. Do you have anything else you want to say about? Um, Willow sucks. Yeah. 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 That's fair. Yeah. It's fair. Um, yeah. That's that's about it. That okay. Sums up my thoughts. Okay. Great. Thank you, Daniel. Did you did you like this episode? Of course I did. Who couldn't love this episode? It's great. It's no, just, it's like a it's continuation so of Once More with Feeling, which I love. And, uh, yeah, just a lot of really great touches. I mean, teeth, right? I mean, the, the shark guy fucking waiting for that shark dude forever. <laughs> excellent stuff. I mean, the whole, the references to Restless, I mean, I got that right away. It's excellent. It's just really oh, nice. funny. I mean, everybody just losing their memory is classic shit. 
classic sitcom trope type of thing. Mm. And, you know, Buffy's great because you can do it with magic and it doesn't feel weird. And, you know, you can have a weird shark character that, like, it it doesn't even take you out of it. It's awesome. Yeah, I really. <laughs> I mean, I really he says one it. of the most poignant lines of the entire show, you know? Which? Time is what turns kittens into cats. Right. Yes, yes, yes. As we've heard. And podlets into podcasts. Yeah. Said by a shark man. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, in the end, I'm just, I'm sad for Willow. You know, I mean, I hate her. I'm, I'm mad at her. The whole thing is really good. They did a great job of, like, especially at the beginning, too, of, like, loading it up with, like, a lot of, like, post um, Once More With Feeling stuff. And, like, they just didn't, you know, like, a different show would just, like, take a lot of those things that we just learned and extrapolate those for like another couple episodes. But God, the mm. beginning of this episode felt like boom, boom, boom. Tara's breaking up with fucking Willow. Like everything is happening. Giles is leaving. Like everything that you thought was going to happen, they didn't like play it out too long. They just were like, boom, we're going because the rest of the episode is just going to be awesome and fun and we're going to have a good time. And, um, and I, I really like that. So that really worked a lot. And I kind of forgot that Tara and Willow, like, broke up here i mean i just i guess i kind of forgot the whole timeline and where the fuck is tara going at the end i mean she's just walking out with one box and i'm like okay <laughs> weird the so I guess all important desk bedroom box man you gotta take that everyone's got one so <laughs> <laughs> fuck your clothes right yeah. yeah exactly um i i love this episode i think they they did a great job of here's some really heavy shit Giles is fucking leaving. Terry and Willow are breaking up. And you, I agree that you could have stretched that out or even just like within this episode really slow played it. And this whole episode easily could have been about just that and just like living in the, the heaviness of that. But, you know, that's not Buffy. They're like, fuck it. Let's make a hilarious thing. We'll just press pause, uh, uh, do a funny thing, and then get back to that thing. That'll help us all feel better. It'll be great. Uh, and I, I, it just you also have to wait. Later, I feel like in a, a TV series to do an episode like this for it to feel rewarding, right? Because you have to, you got to wait for the fan service stuff to pay off. And I think that this was a great place for that, especially, yeah, coming off of Once More With Feeling, which was a big kind of the same thing, right? Like that, you can watch Once More With Feeling because it's entertaining, but but knowing the characters makes it way better in this too. It's like, I don't know how funny this episode is if you don't know who they are, right? So I think that it has to be. A and it's a episode. good continuum of once more, because even with a lot of, you know, Buffy shows or even supernatural shows, you feel like it's almost a one off. So it's nice that we come on to the next one. We get the same stuff and it does start to answer. Where do we go from here? Like mm-hmm. it really lays out and kind of at the end of it, we we do get a nice trajectory for everyone. You know, once more was not just like a one off. Giles did leave SMG and Spike are definitely hooking up all of the stuff that is going on is going to continue throughout and we get like a the darkness with with willow and tara especially um because mm-hmm. we needed that to hit for once more and then it really hit here so i realized hey i did it wrong you did it the way you're doing everything when things get rough you you don't even consider the options you just you just do a spell it's not good for you willow it's not what magic is for. Yeah, and it, it mattered. In an overall really funny episode that could just be when you pluck right out, big things happen in this that are essential to the plot moving forward. So I think it's really well done. Uh, and what it is dunning is 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 dealing with memory loss. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Deft as ever with my transitions. The Can't dunning. be beat. It's what it's dunning. <laughs> uh, Stacia, tell me about memory loss. Yeah? How do you know? Maybe it's just another fake memory from my fake family. Sweetheart. Get out. Done. 
Get out. Get out. Get out. Remember, he lost is the scariest thing in the world. So don't scare me I know. too bad, Stacia. I know this is like really too close oh, for comfort it. for you, man. I hate it. Just don't tell me at the end of this that I'm losing my memory. That's all I that's all I need. <laughs> this has all been a really long intervention to calmly <laughs> ease Daniel into the fact that it's happening to you, You've buddy. We've we noticed everything. the signs. Oh <laughs> no. The topic of memory loss is overwhelming and also like really clinical and kind of boring on like a basic level. It's not just all Grey's Anatomy stuff. Like the the show, not the no. Yeah, I mean a, a lot I mean a lot of it's like Alzheimer's, that kind of stuff, yeah, but sure. also um just like brain injuries and even like drugs and alcohol can induce memory loss. So it kind of like spans the gamut from like, you know, deeply traumatic to I drank too much and I don't remember what I did last night. Mm. So I just picked uh, the most extreme case of memory loss I could find. And let's talk about this guy. Nice. <laughs> uh, his name is Clive Waring. And he so was- he thinks. Sorry. Oh, that was not a good joke. <laughs> Continue. Darn. Okay. Well, one assumes his name is Clive Waring. At least that's what the doctors call him, I guess. <laughs> he was a noted English musician and musicologist. Um, and in 1985, he got the herpes virus encephalitis, mm. which is um, a virus that attacks your nervous system. And it damaged the areas of the brain that he needs for memories. Shit. So, not only does he not remember most of his past, he also uh, is incapable of creating new memories. And his memory resets about every 30 seconds. Oh, oh shit. No. So, throughout the course of a conversation, he'll forget where he is, who he's, who he's talking to, and who he is. And he has to be constantly, you know, reminded that <laughs> he's okay. He's at his house. <laughs> on and on. Um. And so I like it's just it's fascinating case because it's such a profound lack of memory, not just the loss of the ability to create memories, but he also doesn't remember most of his past that like in some ways he's stuck forever in 1985, which is when he got the virus. But he's also stuck forever in like 1965, which is like kind of when his memories begin and end because he hasn't created any more since then. Um And he lives in this really weird world where he talks about his um, experiences being like being dead. Every time he comes back to consciousness is what he thinks of it as like waking up from a deep sleep like he was dead and he's just now gaining consciousness because he can't remember what he can't remember. Um, so he started writing this journal because he wanted to keep track of what was going on once he kind of like realized had this sort of like somehow like innate knowledge that something's like deeply wrong. You know, can you imagine like every 30 seconds coming to you and realizing you don't know what room you're in, you don't know who you're looking at, or if you do know who you're looking at because it's someone from your past, they have a different haircut than you remember 10 seconds ago. (laughs) Um, so you like, you recognize like something's wrong here. Like you don't need someone to tell you that that's just like apparent to you as if you're in like this, like badly timed movie that just keeps skipping and you don't know what's happening. So anyway, so he started writing this journal and every single entry he would write like 2.10 PM this time properly awake 2.14 PM this time finally awake 
2.35 p.m., this time completely awake. And every single time he'd cross it out in the next one, 9.40 p.m., I awoke for the first time despite my previous claims. Then he crossed out, I was fully conscious at 10.35 p.m. and awake for the first time in many, many weeks. And then he'd cross it out, and he has thousands and thousands of pages of just, like, minute entries of being like, I just finally woke up. The last time was wrong. <laughs> this time it's real. And, you know, it goes away again. Um, but the fascinating thing about it is... Even though he's not capable of creating new memories, he doesn't remember what was going on, he still has these, like, emotional memories or emotional ties. Um, For example, his wife, Deborah, wrote a memoir in 2005 called um, Forever Today, talking about her relationship with Clive and how his memory loss has impacted their lives. And um, she talks about how, like, they'd only been married about a year when he got sick. Oh, Jesus. But... Even though, like, that portion of his life isn't something he remembers, it's, like, he has an emotional tie to her, and she's become, like, the anchor that his whole life kind of revolves around. Like, he sees her, and he knows somewhere inside himself that even though he can't even necessarily remember what her name is, that, like, this is an important person to him. And he always gets really excited, and whenever you're someone's talking to him and she's there he's like isn't she the most wonderful woman isn't she so beautiful I just I love her so much he's just like effusively excited about seeing her and she talks about how like when she'll leave um she'll get home and she'll have multiple messages from him saying I love you darling come see me it's been an eternity because he can't remember he just saw her but he's always constantly like in this state of just like complete presentness because that's all he can have right so every moment he sees her is like the most amazing thing he's ever experienced because he doesn't remember anything else and he has the same sort of emotional attachment with his children like his children are all grown up now um, but he can recognize them even though he can't remember um how much time has passed so he'll still ask them about how their school's going even though they haven't been you know taking classes for like years and years but like he like recognizes them like you know has some sort of like deep emotional tie to them that like these are people that are important to me um so it's really fascinating and the same thing with music because he was a music teacher he wrote music he studied music he still plays beautifully and he'll learn new songs even though he doesn't have the ability to create memories because his wife will sit down with him and it was one of the things that they had bonded over when their relationship first started and she'll show him music and he'll practice it with her and just from like I don't know muscle memory he'll remember how to play those things later and these songs become like part of his consciousness in a way that you can actually create memories but they like exist inside him If that makes any sense. It's very interesting because it's like, well, yeah, maybe it's muscle memory, but then there's a part of it that's like music isn't just muscle memory. It's also like emotion and intelligence and all of these other things tied up into it. You can't remember any of that, but he still manages to do it. (laughs) Um, He's still alive. He's 83 now. He's living in the UK. He's got like an assisted living home and he's gotten to the point where like even though he doesn't recognize this as his home like he knows how to get around but if you asked him how do you get to the bathroom from here he wouldn't be able to tell you but he could do it from feeling and same thing with like making coffee he knows how to go to the kitchen and make coffee but if you asked him how to do those steps he like doesn't have the memory can't form the words to tell you how to do those things Hmm. so it's like interesting that you can like exist in this state of like autopilot almost (laughs) that these become things that are known to you even though you can't consciously conjure like the meaning of them wow. <laughs> I don't know if I'm even talking yeah. about this well, well yeah 
but it's fascinating. Well, it's kind of like the difference between recalling facts, right, like in a trivia way, mm-hmm. versus like innately knowing something or emotionally having like a, a resonance with something, right? It's like there's a lot more to going on to an experience than just like the factual remembering of what happened. And I, it seems like he has those echoes of all the other things, but the actual like this is the tangible steps of the thing. But I remember the feeling. I like I remember the auras of it, especially the music, yeah. right? Like I would imagine that's incredibly helpful in keeping those like whatever is is still functioning. Like that's got to be great. Music's always been used as like a memory tool or aid or something like that because it it's speaking to part of your body or your your mind that's not just a memory. It's something yeah. else. It's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, his wife wrote really beautifully about how music has been like this refuge for them where he's not like lost in his consciousness anymore because the music is like almost holding him from bar to bar that as he's going along he can like maintain this like two minutes of consciousness almost even though throughout the song he's forgetting what he's doing like he can continue to pick it back up because of the way the music is sort of like holding him together it's like really fascinating idea but so to bring it back to Buffy, I was thinking about this idea of like, you can't consciously remember your wife. You ask someone, what's your wife's name? He can't remember. He can't even remember his own name um, half the time. At one point he was asked what his name was and he said, Clive David Deborah Waring. So Aww. like he knows that his wife oh, is important yeah. to him. He can't tie it back in his head to like what it means. But like that's the that's what comes up when he thinks about like important names. Right. So it's, like, so cute. Um, But so this idea of, like, having this, like, deep-seated, like, emotional memory of someone makes me think about, like, Buffy and Dawn, how they just instantly gravitate towards each other. Buffy wants to protect Dawn, even though she doesn't know who she is. She's got this, like, emotional sense of protectiveness towards her. Um, So I was just thinking about that because, like, how... How would you know? Right. But they do seem to just immediately understand that they're related. Yeah. And... Willow and Tara clearly seem to have a connection, but is it yeah. just because they're like, you're hot? Yeah. Well, or is yes. it because, like, I know you, I remember you? Yeah. I mean, and then obviously, like, <laughs> Anya and Giles have no idea what's right. going on and they just assume because right. well, their names are like. That's the thing. That's what, I, what I'm getting to is, okay, so if we can say that Willow and Tara remember their connection because it was yeah. important, blah, 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 and Buffy and Dawn remember because they're important and they love each other, and Sandra and Anya don't remember anything. Just saying, just saying, yeah. I wonder if they're going to make it after all. Yeah. Oh, I had one more thing I wanted to say about Clive. I thought it was fascinating. So the um, person I read this article in the New York Times, I guess I should probably name it. It's called The Abyss, and it was written by Oliver Sacks. Um, So he went and he talked to Deborah and Clive, and he asked Deborah, have you told him about your book? And she said twice, but he instantly forgot. And he was like, well, can you tell him again about your book? I want to see what he says. And so every time it got brought up, he'd be like, you've written a book. Well done. Congratulations. All by you. Good heavens. And he, um, he talked about how Deborah showed him the dedication page that said, like, for my Clive. And he's like, oh, my God, dedicated to me. And was, like, hugging her and calling her amazing. And then in 30 seconds, it would happen again. Oh, my God, you wrote a book. And it's like so cute to think about like you're in one sense it's like who are you as a person if you can't remember what your experiences are like aren't you just kind of the sum total of your memories but in the other sense like without all of that baggage you're kind of seeing like the truest version of this person like he wouldn't have the memory to remember to be any other way than like completely genuine you know and also sad 
but and but really cute. sad. I yeah. mean, obviously, it would be better if he had his memory. But it's just like it's so sweet that he's got his wife, who's like stayed with him this long, like this whole time, and has been like, you know, I still love him. Like yeah. this is like my person, and <laughs> that's so intense to be with him the whole time and just like. Well, it's it's interesting. I mean, it's like really nuanced, but going off into like, you know, these conversations of he's, you know, really intelligent. And at this point, he's kind of learned how to have conversations with people, even though he doesn't remember who he's talking to or what he's talking about. And he'll talk about these passions that he's got that he'll sort of like, like his little touchstones he goes back to because he knows he feels comfortable talking to them. And it's just like really fascinating. And apparently he's like really funny. He loves making like word plays and um tons of jokes and very interesting yeah huh yeah that's crazy i had no idea i mean it's so much better than having an existential crisis every time your memory kicks back in and you just scream right and you're like where the fuck am i because that would be that would be what i would think it would be like so at least it's nice to know okay well to be fair that definitely is part of it sometimes he'll be really agitated and he'll be angry but it's like you know at this and especially it sounded like it was really bad at the beginning, mm-hmm. like right after um, he got sick right. when they were like working through the whole thing. But now he's like in a more like, you know, um, smaller living home or whatever. And he's kind of like adjusted a little bit. You know, when you start getting that sense of like he knows how to go to the bathroom, he's not like completely lost, even though he doesn't recognize this as his home. <sighs> yeah. Nope. No thanks. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you for that. The memory loss, the extreme version. That I feel like I've seen that guy on a, a documentary somewhere because he was like a pianist and an older British guy. Yeah. So I th- feel like I've seen something about that before because it sounds really familiar. But thank you for telling us that. So You're Daniel welcome. can I have nightmares. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Hmm. I mean, there are other people that have that I looked into that get amnesia for a period of time and then it resolves and they remember their memories. You know. Well, for me, it's one of those. Like, uh, not diseases, not like, I don't know, things, medical things that happens that seems like it's easy to to discount the validity of it, right? Like one of those mm-hmm. syndromes or something, because it's, it's all been so uh, soap operaized, right? In a way that's like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, you for, forgot everything conveniently, temporarily because a bad thing happened. Sure, sure. Um, not that I would distrust someone who's clearly suffering from that, but I feel like the pop culture of it all definitely gives it this a little bit of disbelief. I'm not saying I don't believe these people. I'm just saying I can understand why one would not, you know? Yeah. It's hard to swallow for but sure. But if you try to think about yourself in that position, like, what the fuck do you do? Well, then oh. you're back to terrifying, which is why Daniel can't handle it. What I wrote in my notes when I was researching Clive Waring is... Um, like, I think, therefore, I am. And then I wrote, I remember, therefore, I am. Because it seems like so much of, like, what you are is, like, your, like, sum total of your experiences. Like, who do you become? Like, we see in Buffy, if you can't remember any of that. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, how much of it is all that extra stuff, yeah. that those extra feelings, those extra, like, sense memories, for lack of a better well, term. And then if you're, like, Clive, if you can't even remember that you were thinking, you know, he constantly compares his experiences to, like, being dead. Like, there's just nothingness. Yeah. Wow. And it goes to speaking of, like, nature versus the nurture, that kind of stuff. Like, what's biologically programmed into your little brain nugget yeah. that you're going to do no matter what the circumstances versus why you are the way you are because of the experiences that have shaped you. Yeah. But even, like, like the dream what does it reset to? about the future is very human. And that's, like, even that's the, I think, therefore I am. I'm thinking about the next moment. And if your moment is constantly being erased every 30 seconds, 
that's a huge element of being alive that is just gone from you. There's no way to plan. There's no way to set a goal and accomplish it. I mean, he's obviously showing that he can do stuff, but he, he doesn't know how to articulate it in any way. You know, he can't yeah. write a paper or go on a trip or climb a mountain or whatever the fuck he would want to do because he doesn't even know I mean, to think to do that. Because even it'll go if away. you do, you wouldn't remember it, right? Yeah, totally. Which is really, 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 really. <laughs> yeah. Like they talked about how the um, article writer, he talked about how he went out to a meal with Deborah and Clive. And <laughs> obviously Clive remembers Deborah, right? He's She's like his person. So he's fine going out with her. But he like turned around and when they got to the restaurant, he was like, oh, are you joining us? Like he'd forgotten <laughs> that the writer was even there and yeah. that he'd met him and the entire reason the in- everything was happening. Like so weird to think about. You're just kind of like existing in this constant state yeah. of. I mean, it's it's good that it sounds like more than than not he's OK with it. Like he's comfortable, especially yeah. if like Deborah's there, because that would be he, I, I would imagine you'd be miserable to be around if you were like. Somebody, a person who was already naturally paranoid, like that was just kind yeah. of their thing. And then you have people, it seems like a new person in front of you every 30 seconds. Like, who the yeah. fuck are you? Why are you at my house? Like, yeah, yeah the dress, the crypt, like, ah, yeah. who are you? Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I'm saying, like, the idea of like you're seeing him in like his truest sense because he doesn't, he's just acting exactly the way he's feeling because he doesn't have the time to like conceptualize that he should be showing a different motion, mm-hmm. emotion, you know? Right, right. Like, if you were someone who was constantly paranoid and angry, you would be like that all the time because you wouldn't have the chance to like calm down because you'd be constantly getting triggered and upset, you know? That sounds terrible. So fascinating. Yes. Well, thank you. Yeah, so, you know, back to Buffy. Have um... they tried to find a crystal <laughs> to break? Yeah. To break the spell? Maybe, maybe they should. Someone hid Clive's maybe crystal. that's what happened. It's fucked up. Well, I mean, it's really lucky that Xander is such a clumsy oaf because if he hadn't stepped on that, they would have left the crystal in the sewer and that would have been their lives forever. That's true because why would you know? Willow would never have known that it was in her little she pocket. She would have remembered. Or if she did remember it, well, she would. Fell out. Or, yeah, well, like she would have just. Yeah. You never think. Why would you think to break it? To break the spell? You wouldn't even know you're in a spell. Exactly. Ah, jeez. The trouble. The trouble. <laughs> the trouble with magic. Magic. Magic's all balderdash and chicanery. I'm afraid we don't know a bloody thing. Except I seem to be British, don't I? Also lucky that that was like a weak-ass crystal. <laughs> yeah, right? Because right. like, if broke, like quartz wouldn't just break like that, right? So. It might like crack a little, but that like completely shattered. I mean, I gotta assume she got that from the magic box. That's a bad rep for the magic box. <laughs> quality of not Shoddy quartz. <laughs> <laughs> so the episode starts. Mm. at the saddest well maybe not the saddest we just learned about a lot of sad stuff let's keep things in context shall we uh <laughs> about a, a sad dinner on a tv show actually why do you think they were there because they were talking about uh, was that xander's house yeah it's xander and Anya's apartment do you think that they were just there to talk about isn't it fucked up that buffy came from heaven i thought it was really weird that they were doing that like without buffy <laughs> well it was clearly the we made the a bad decision yeah. uh support group night which i get oh yeah but because Xander makes the joke about we should have a book club or a, mm-hmm. a sh- short books, movies. Uh, so I don't think this is a normal thing they do. Like, oh, yeah, every Wednesday no. we get together and we, <laughs> and we hang out. Yeah, bitch about Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> they probably do, though. They probably do. 
It could be a new thing they do since Buffy died. Yeah, yeah. well, I think I kind of remembered in bargaining how they they seem to like we go to Xander's and we hang out, and we, why wouldn't you, right? Like, yeah. get away from nice Don, God. Yeah. Loser so Don, it's where you can have your secret. Uh, how to resurrect Buffy conversations. Right, right. Oh, that they did. is that why they were happen. doing that. Yeah, that did right. happen on the show too. Yeah. Because they were talking about let's bring Buffy back. You're right. Yeah. And obviously they had to do that away from everyone else that could stop them. Okay, well, during that conversation, mm-hmm. Tara gives Willow the ultimatum. You know, uh, you got to stop doing magic. Just show me you can stop doing magic. Mm-hmm. And Willow's like, fine. What do you want? A month? And she's like, a week. Come on. Oh, I mean, come on. I'm do giving you the most out ever. Just do a week. It's fine. Do you think that Tara should have given her the ultimate in the first place? Like, did, does Willow deserve a second chance at this moment in time? Station. I don't know. I think that's a hard question. Because uh, I can definitely see why you would want to give her the chance. I guess it's like cheating. Like, how when you've shattered someone's trust, how do you learn to trust them again? In this case, it was like magic and stealing her memories, which is probably more fucked up than cheating on someone. Um, but, you know, you still love that person. That doesn't go away immediately. So if she can prove that she can have a healthy relationship with magic, maybe things can be okay. But also, like, you, you in danger, girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need to get out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Daniel, what do you think? Does uh, does Willow deserve a second chance? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I mean, this is pretty cut and dry. I mean, it's it goes to show probably that they haven't had the well. That's the dark thing. I guess they could have had this conversation multiple times, and we don't know. And that's what we talked about a couple episodes ago about you know has this happened or been happening for a long time? If we assume that this is the first time or whatever, then it, it, I don't think it matters at all. I mean, I think everything Tara said was like supremely on point. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's being like you know what you didn't mean to violate my mind like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fucked up shit. I mean, and just being like you're too. On the magic, they're starting to introduce that addictive element. I mean, they already have, but they're kind of leaning into it. So if we're to believe that, then I think we're a little more sympathetic and we would maybe say yes, that she does. But I don't think the show has gone far enough to show the addictive elements of magic yet. So I think it is kind of funny to just be like, you are violating me and this is terrible. And then it's like, I I can go a month. Yeah, just a week. You're fine. It's kind of like weird. I don't know dissonance in that way so i understand why she would say yes but i would just assume that i would have been brainwashed the whole time i don't know there's no way for me to know and that's like that's a huge no for me that's scary maybe not for tara yeah i do wonder like obviously we see in this episode you don't need to have physical proximity to the person to erase their memories right now that we've introduced that yeah well is that something tara's taking into account Mm. like that whole idea of the time that it's most dangerous for someone who's being abused is when they try to leave their abuser. Like, that's when you're most likely to get murdered. Like, she literally, like, is, like, am I going to get screwed over if I try to leave that Will is just going to erase my memory of this happening again? Maybe mm-hmm. I need to try to bargain with her so that I can, like, hold on to my scraps of memory. I don't, I mean, I don't know if Tara's thinking that, but I do wonder if that could be part of the calculation. I know that's, like, fucked up to say. But no, I mean, that's, that's totally fair. I will say I'm like, I'm so proud of her for standing up for herself and trying at least a little yeah. to be like, this was fucked up. This was super fucked up. So I, a little bit earlier in the scene, oh, actually when we open, right, we're talking about bringing Buffy back and Willow says, we were so selfish. I was so selfish. And she seems to have an actual moment of like self 
reflection and re- reckoning with the gravity of what she fucking mm. did and how she didn't take anybody's feelings into account. She was always going to do it and she did it because she wanted to. And then she fucking applauded herself for it. And in that yeah. moment, it feels like, oh my God, maybe Willow, she maybe she really didn't know. And it's just like she was thinking she was just doing the right thing. Kind of what we've been discussing yeah. her motives this whole time, right? And I would say, yes. I think okay. I, the the cheating analogy I think is fair and be like okay, let's work through this. Let's talk about it. Maybe this is the first time they're they're really talking about it because Tara references them having that conversation on Halloween when they got into that fight. You know about like not not using magic and that's the when Willow erased her mind and that's the only time we know about that. But I don't know if we've actually really talked about it since then. We don't know how much time has passed. If it's been a week, you would think it had come up. But nevertheless, let's pretend this is the first time Tara is saying like. What the fuck? I know what you did to me. And she does say that. Do you, do you think I'm stupid? I know that you, you erased my memory or whatever, right? I mean, that kind of implies it's the first time. Will She says, go a week without magic. And she's like, Willow is bargaining. Like, please, I, I, I need you. Like, just please, whatever you want, I, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And she knows that she's lying. She knows she's not going to fucking do it. The Who? second, Willow. Willow. Yeah, she knows when she's saying that to Tara's oh, face. Yeah. Saying, yes, of course, I'll do anything you want. I'll, I'll, uh, she knows she's lying. She knows she's so, going to turn around and fucking cast that spell anyway. Okay, so this is, I'm curious because I wondered this when I was watching. I think that when she offered um, Let Me Go Without magic for a month i think that was a genuine offer let me prove to you that this is not an issue and the moment tara was like i don't trust you go a week and then we can see i think at that moment willow realized like it's never gonna be enough i'm gonna fuck so, up i'm gonna fuck up yeah so like <laughs> yeah. We, we're not doing this again so I, I just i wonder if tara had been like yeah let's see a month how it goes if willow would have actually tried mm. or if she would have been laying like the entire time like I feel like that month offer was genuine and the moment that Tara sort of undercut her and said like let's not even go there you can't do a month yeah she yeah. was like fuck you <laughs> I mean maybe but I don't know Probably. but it just it really calls into question everything like she's a fucking liar but like, Willow's a fucking liar I guess I just wonder if she didn't mean it to begin with, why wouldn't you just run and get your flower and do the spell right there? Oh, that's true. You're helping yourself now, fixing things to your liking, including me. I get Tara's position of, like, show me. Actions speak louder than words. So if you prove to me that you cannot, you can legit, because I, you, because I matter to you and I'm asking you, this is the thing I need from you, and you can actually do it, then maybe, yeah, I'll consider it. But the whole crux of the the thing they're fighting about being her memory getting erased, how would you ever erase? How would you ever fucking know if she actually did it? Like, how could you? You're still having to trust her at least that little bit. I don't know. It's like, it's a scary position. If there was ever a moment where you thought you forgot something, it would be so hard to not convince yourself that, uh, you know, you're losing your mind. Even if if she hadn't actually done it, how would you know? Yeah. That's so tough. Well, and also an interesting thing that Tara did say that kind of speaks to what we were talking about before. She did say, uh, when things get rough, you don't even consider the options. You just you just do a spell. It's not good for you, Willow. That's not what magic is for. And we were talking about that before, about, like, is there rules to witches and wizards? Like, you know, you, you were talking about, like, registry, you know, registering right, yeah, to yeah. be a witch and all this stuff. So it's interesting that we haven't really talked about that. And that was an interesting line that I picked up on just because what – that's not what magic is for. Do we don't know either as an audience member what magic is for? So that's a, I find that to be a weird thing to say. And like, I, I don't know. I guess I think I assume we're going to learn more about that this 
this year, but I don't I mean, know. kind of. We learned a little bit about it in season seven when Willow's in England mm-hmm. raising flowers or whatever the fuck. But uh, I think this show leans a lot on the mythology of other established canons mm. to be like, we know that you shouldn't use magic for personal gain because Charmed said so. So just imagine you're watching Charmed and take Covens that with you. and into witches, this, you know, you know yeah, what yeah, those yeah. are. You know, you know, uh, which I think You've is a failing focus, of the show yeah. for sure. I, I mean, I don't know how fun it would be. I think it would be interesting to go through the like motions of this is how the magic works really in this world. But we, you know, we establish again in this episode, anyone can do magic. Anyone can do magic. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So if these rules are so set in stone, what is it to stop fucking Anya from making a thousand bunnies or Xander from sure. speaking Latin in front of the books? Like, you know, it's if yeah, anyone can point. do it, like then I guess who are who is they? And why are there consequences sometimes? And who's allowed to do it? And who is? I don't know. I, f- I feel like they took that class for witches back in season four. And it's like they learned because they were hanging out in their coven. Oh, the Wicked Wannabes, yeah. The Wicked, wicked Wannabes. That they learned like the, the point of magic, which I think that Willow at this point would just reject outright, you know, yeah. fucking Voldemort style. Just be like, I, I have no time for this shit. Mm-hmm. I'm too good for this stuff. And she was already so like just, that then. Yeah, I, I'm, that, exactly. So I'm just wondering, like, what part of Tara, like, trying to appeal to this, like, that's not what magic is for. I don't think that Willow gives a fuck. I don't think she's given a fuck about that ever. So that's just a, a strange thing to say. And it just speaks to, like, is this even a real thing? Because, yeah, you're right. The weak thing is undercutting. It's almost just built to fail. Why are we even doing this except to try to just get out of this room without her doing something fucked up and stupid? Yeah. Well, one of the phrasing things that Tara said that I feel like kind of like goes straight to the heart of what we've been talking about with Will this entire season. She said, um, you're fixing things to your liking. And then she adds, including me. And I think that kind of gets to the heart of at least what I imagine Tara thinks the purpose of magic is like, you're not doing it to create a world that's comfortable for you necessarily you know because will is like well i just i want to help people i want to do good things and it's like yeah maybe but now you're just using it as a shortcut Mm. to force everyone to be what you want them to be and you know in addition to having your memory erased like the idea that your partner would be using magic to turn you into the person they want you to be is like an extra blow of like trauma <laughs> oh my god it's horrible. you know that willow can't just love you for who you are and willow acts yeah. totally surprised like that's not what i was doing yeah. and i see she's so good because i fucking believe her in that moment i believe she's a younger person in a real relationship for you know only the second time i mean i don't even know like with oz you're in high school like it's it feels like different this is i'm an adult we're living together this is like a i'm in my first adult relationship for lack of you know for all intents and purposes uh and for, I could see that being like, I don't know how you're supposed to really navigate this. I overstepped. I get it. Right. Like you should know on the face of this, what you're doing is wrong. However, <laughs> like I, I swear I was doing it with the best intentions, but I don't fucking believe her. I don't believe her. <laughs> I think I cannot trust a single word that comes out of her mouth now because she's just fucking lying all the time. Well, and because the reality is if she didn't want to fight with Tara initially, which is why she wiped Tara's mind because she's using too much magic. Um, she could have just not used magic then, right? Like, this could have been something she could have worked through without using magic yes. and having to take her girlfriend's literal memories away from her. Totally. So it's, like, a really just, like, fucked up, dark thing to do. And then even after Tara was, like, violating me, Willow turns around and does it again. Yep. Yeah. Immediately. 
because she doesn't she doesn't she care. doesn't care doesn't care ah well that felt good what a jerk yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> the worst this isn't the willow i know <laughs> yeah right where oh my god i just kept having these moments i was like remember just last season willow's like keeping a little journal of everything they do together because she loves her so much and everything's fine yeah. dead that woman is dead <laughs> oh i'm such an idiot i'm sorry I shouldn't even be talking about... Do you want me to go away? I wish you wouldn't. Ah, okay. Okay. Moving on from Willow. So <laughs> Although I feel like we'll talk about her over and over. Probably. Over and over. She's a bad guy, did you know? Uh, if Anthony Stewart Head could stay in America, would Giles leave? I think we kind of already talked about this before. What? So do you think Sorry, the writers oh, oh. would have had Giles leave if Anthony Stewart Head did not have to leave? I will preface this question with the answer. <laughs> That's how you preface questions. Marty Noxon, one credit, a quote from Marty Noxon. One criticism we received about the episode was the fact that Giles left even after knowing that Buffy had what, what Buffy had been through. We tried to make it clear that he began to believe that she couldn't take responsibility with him there. We really tried to play up the idea. Plus, we really needed him to leave because Tony had to leave. Mm-hmm. We were a little bit between a rock and a hard place. He was going and we had to make it work the best we could, given what we had. It was a little bit of a stretch. So I guess, how do you feel about that? Do you think Do you think if they didn't have, based on that, I feel like it's pretty obvious, right? Like, they probably wouldn't have written him out of the show? Probably not. I think there may be better ways to write him out of the show. How would you, right? Because, like, this, is this convincing to you at all, Daniel, to him? Like, I mean, we've talked about it so many times. Why the fuck would he leave? Especially why now? No, it's not convincing. I mean, he literally could have been like, my mom is dying. I have to go back to London. Or oh, I yeah, there you shagged go. a girl when I was there. Now she's pregnant Jesus. and I have to take right. care of my no! baby. Or, or, <laughs> or, you know, like, I have to join this elite demon hunters club and we're could, going to Indonesia. Could you imagine if he was like, Buffy, I'm sorry. I have to go take care of my real daughter. Goodbye. Or like I don't know, set up some sort of like curse back from one his his Ripper days, like um, oh, oh sure, yeah. and then he has to go and he has to deal with that or something. That would have been something great. that like gives him an out without having to make him seem like a total shithead. Like at the very least, yeah. he could have been like Buffy, I'm leaving because frankly I need to. Yeah, uh, it's been a lot of trauma and I need some time to decompress. And I'm sorry that I can't be there for you right now, but like, I put my own oxygen mask on first. Even that would have been better than like, I'm doing this for you, Buffy. I mean, clearly I need you're to not. to see you suffer. Yeah. I can't do this without you. You can. That's why I'm going. As long as I stay, you will always turn to me if there's something comes up that you feel that you can't handle. And I'll step in because. because because I can't bear to see you suffer. <laughs> That's bad. All those things were better. In fact, if, if you do the Ripper thing, you have the nice lead into the uh, spinoff that never was. Yeah. I mean, you can say Giles had to go to deal with a big ass problem in fucking England. Cue the six episodes of the BBC show. That's a wrap, baby. Yeah. Come on. Let's do it. Sure. Yeah. <sighs> I think that's fine. And even if it doesn't happen, fuck it. Who cares? Follow up. You know, other shows have, have done stuff like that before. And I, yeah, I mean, it, it like, I get why they did what they did. Like, I, I think the emotional idea behind it is okay but i don't know they i think they did the best they could if they wanted to execute this and they knew he was leaving yeah i i would want more time but like they they have over the course of episodes been laying this foundation so it doesn't come out of nowhere i'm glad they just ripped the band-aid off again and they don't prolong it they don't put sappy music to it it's just like hard cut which we haven't seen in a long time hard cut from taron willow 
right to this mm-hmm. and it's just happening. Buffy's pissed and then we have fun. At least it's that. So so if Giles didn't leave, do you think that Buffy and Spike still would have gotten together? Maybe not. I mean, clearly she's like using Spike as some sort of way to deal with her negative emotions towards Giles leaving. That connection was really forged over I was in heaven and mm-hmm. all of that. So, I mean, the, the the Giles thing for sure definitely sort of spurred her to do more stuff and to pull away from the group, I suppose, in a way. I mean, and that is important for him, I suppose, at leaving just to let the other people sort of breathe. That does, I guess, work. It's hard to imagine it any other way than it is, I guess. But mm. no, I think she still would be with Spike. I, I mean, kind of something I'm sure they would have gone no I matter think... what. It would have been fun to have Giles be like, critical in the same way that he was critical about the angel thing like he would have found out it would have been a thing i would have loved to have seen his reaction when all of that plays out but it is what it is we got that with angel already so yeah i do think that you're right that it's inevitable i think giles probably pushed her to him faster yeah i think that's if he hadn't left what would have been like because the the thing that was bonding them in the first place is still true right like he's really the only person that can kind of understand her and absorb all the shit that she's throwing at him yeah but i mean she's still obviously struggling with this idea of like you're a bad person i don't like you like what am i doing you know all these themes that we've seen and that were like talked about in once more with feeling but you know having giles leave she's just like fuck it who cares yeah i mean one less person to disapprove too right like maybe even the person's opinion who matters the most that would say like what are you doing stop doing this well now he's gone fuck it you need to give me asylum can we all agree that the best part of that speech though was when they when he said and i need you guys to brace yourself i've taught you all that i can about being the slayer and your mother taught you everything Ugh. you needed to know about life. That's in my yelling for sure. Oh my God. In what world? L O L O L. I mean, I just can't even. I You're laughed so hard. Constantly retconning <laughs> Joyce to be a better mom than she was. I, I mean, can we go totally. back to just, just flooded just a couple episodes ago where the woman he, doesn't know how to go to a bank and be like, I brought my report card as credit. Yeah. Because my mom taught me all that I need to know. (laughs) Everything. Everything. Cue the Joyce montage, please. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Do what? Buffy, what is happening? Just have another drink. Don't you talk to me that way. Um, Kind of a follow-up to the Willow discussion. I'm just curious. Do you think at the end, because we see very sad Willow, right? And when we walk away from each other in the sewer, like... Willow walks away first and Tara's just kind of standing there crying because, you know, it's all kind of dawning them at the same time. Like, oh, well, fuck. You didn't, you couldn't even, couldn't even go a day. Couldn't even go a day. I guess our relationship's over. Do you think Willow went to Tara and like tried to fight for, like try to keep her? No. Really? No. I don't think she did. Nice. Why not? Because I think she knew she like irrevocably fucked up. See, that makes me happy for Tara too. Like she made her boundaries clear enough. Like if you do this. I am fucking leaving. And then she did. Like, that's great to make good on. If you're going to do an ultimatum, man, you better fucking follow through. Well, and it just on Willow's side, like, what do you even say at that point? You can't say I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Yeah. (laughs) Because you did. And you knew what you were doing was fucked up when you did it. The only thing you can say is I'm sorry I didn't mean to get caught. Yes. And that's fucked up. So you can't say anything. Yeah. It's not just you. Yeah. I fucking did it to everyone I love. And everyone knows, like, this is not good. I don't think you you can say anything to that. And I think that's why Willow's sitting in the bathroom or wherever she is crying, because it's like, 
you can't like where do you go from here yeah where do you go go? so i was a little confused about the ending kind of backpedaling from that moment first i could have done that question first but i didn't anyway uh so when xander breaks the crystal they all go you know we're getting Mm -hmm. our memory back face whatever Mm -hmm. um do how do you think this spell actually worked they must have retained their memories from what they just went through in this like in the sewer in the magic box from the moment they lost their memories do you think they got all that back yeah uh yeah i think they kept their memories I think they just retrieved their old memories. Right. Lost. Yeah. Because I was just like, they would have to have known everything that just happened during the course of the episode. Otherwise, why? Like, they would have been more upset, right? Like, oh, my God, what the fuck happened in the last six hours? Yeah. Right? Like, why are we in the sewer? I had a question or two. I mean, there's a lot of holes you can poke in, like, the mechanics of the spell and stuff. Did, did everyone know about Willow and Tara's ultimatum? Because they kind of just walk oh, away yeah. and leave them alone. I mean, you could just tell the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I think there's kind of this implication, like, that that fell out of your pocket. That's what did this to us? Yeah. Okay, that seems fucked up, Willow. Well, yeah, everyone does seem to know immediately, right? Yeah. And Xander's like, I'm going to take Dawn. Well, We're going to get like, out of here. she's, checking. Yeah. When she realizes the crystal's fall, like, when she gets her memory back, and she's like, what? What? And she's, like, looking for the crystal, and then everyone's kind of like, well, oh. Yeah, was- she did that, and then Xander, like, looked at her and was like, all right, I'm gonna go. <laughs> Bye. It takes Dawn, you know, and that's yeah. like that's pretty damning shit, you know. So, I was just and impressed. He, he, he fucked up last week, you know, bringing fucking sweets. Oh, so, sure. You know, sure. he's probably like, all right, well, I'm off the hook for this one. <laughs> Thank God it wasn't me. <laughs> I mean, it's not the first time people have messed up spells for sure. But I mean, amen. I that's why I don't think he's judging. I think he doesn't really know everything that happened, but he's like. Ooh, Tara's pissed. So I'm gonna <laughs> get on out of here. And also, you know, we left them earlier, so clearly something. They did going have on. a blow up about in their spells. I don't yeah. know if Xander would put it together that quickly, but not Xander, no. But when he relays this to Anya later, she'll be like, mm, "That makes a little more sense." Okay. Yeah, or even just spells in general. Like if they did hear. Odds are they heard that whole conversation they had in their apartment, right? So like, yeah. if if he heard the "Don't do magic for a week" and like, whoops. Right. But I mean, even if he didn't, they like the whole fight started with her being like, "Oh, you want to use a memory erasing spell on Buffy, yeah. and then weirdly all their memories get oh. erased." Like <laughs> that's ah. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was just—I guess I was just impressed. That's why it confused me yeah. that they put it together so fast because it's Sander, and Don yeah. doesn't really know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Don wouldn't have any reason to know, but if Sander's like, "Come, come along, child." And I also wonder, just a little follow up on that. Did did they tell Dawn that they were splitting up because she was so mad at Tara? I think it's pretty obvious with Willow crying and Tara packing her box of desk items, <laughs> bedroom desk box at night. Yeah, fair enough. Why, but like, Tara, it's not Tara's fault. You don't know the context. And she girl. wouldn't say goodbye. I so always sad. thought that was unfair. Yeah, but yeah. you know, when your parents split up, sometimes you just blame whoever you don't know because yeah. you're upset. Yeah. Blame dad. Yeah. Yeah. Loser leaves you. <laughs> Tara's the dad. Don's having it tough. <laughs> Willow's definitely the dad. The end. You think yeah. so? Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. She's oh, yeah. the one that stepped out. Come on. Okay, but come on. Like, think about their actual energies. Like, Tara is like this hands-off, constantly stoned dad <laughs> figure, and Willow's <laughs> like, "It's okay, I'll get you to school." <laughs> Willow's a constantly we have stoned dad. The only person too. we've seen feed Dawn is Tara. Okay, so I don't know what you're talking about, this Maybe. absentee father. Come on now, come on. She does have a habit, but you know, it, it doesn't affect her parenting skills. Probably. All right. Uh, <laughs> This is probably a good time to say we're a real podcast, and you can find us everywhere. Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, Beat Me Pod, at 
but you can do the at part first, at BeatMePod everywhere. Uh, we also have a website, BeatMePod.wordpress.com, which will have notes about our show. Uh, if you make a reference to something and you're like, hey, what was that all about? It'll probably be on there. And it also contains a link to our Spotify playlist. What's on that? All music mentioned. Mentioned. All music we play on this podcast here and music that is played in the show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that's available on Spotify. I collected it into a nice playlist just for you. It's called Beat Me Hyphen Fun Time Playlist for Podcast Fans Season 6. Really easy to say. Really easy to find. Michelle Branch will definitely be on there. Moving on! Hey, hey, take it easy, guy. Uh, It's probably time to yell about stuff, right? Mr. Spike. Mr. Spike owes teeth. 40 Siamese cats. What do you think the conversion rate is to U.S. dollars? Oh, we could probably look that up. That oh. it's not cheap. Like the average price of a kitten? The average price of a Siamese kitten. Oh, yeah, because that's like a special fancy special cat. one. Do it. But then we got to go back to 2000 prices, though. All right, just for inflation. Pre 9 11. I mean, what did 9 11 <laughs> do to the Siamese market? I don't know. So, a normal Siamese kitten can cost you anywhere from $600 to $800. God! However, damn. if you want a premium origin Siamese cat with noticeable features, be prepared to give $1,000 to $2,500, depending on the breeder. <gasps> okay, so on the low end, $600 per cat. And I'm going to pull up the old inflation calculator 24000 If in 2001 you purchased. How much? <laughs> 40 Siamese cats for $24,000. 24000 or 2400 $24,000. $24,000 worth of cats. It would be $37,803.66. That's a fuck ton of money. No wonder Teeth is coming after his ass. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, I'm glad I asked that question. Wow, that was some uh, necessary context. I never even thought about translating it into actual money. Well, I mean. I assumed he's just going to eat them. Well, yeah, sure. But of course, if you still have to buy the cat to eat it, right? Same, same. Because they're delicious. Siamese. Damn. All right. Well, I'm glad we did that legwork. He could just go steal. He could. He could definitely go steal them. Well, yeah, but anyway, uh, where do you even steal forty Siamese cats? Oh, I don't even know. It'd take a long time. And I feel like once you've stolen from a breeder once, like. Yeah, they're gonna have increased security. They're they not getting security. back in there. <laughs> That's gonna be a little kitty Fort Knox. Well, and if they're a human breeder, you can't fight them. So you're oh fine. god, a human you need breeder to have like one that's a goon. Yes, so you can fight yes. them. Hmm, crazy. Wow, awesome! Thanks for doing the legwork on that one. You're welcome. Yeah, amazing. Okay, what's your yelling? Oh shit. <laughs> We're still um, doing the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, why does Anya? <laughs> why does Anya think angels wear Birkenstocks? Oh, I, yeah. I guess if. Yeah. Right. Jesus wears Birkenstocks. Yeah. Right. He's always Obviously. depicted in, like sandals. It's in the Bible. Thing. Yeah. Sure. It's in the Bible. Okay. <laughs> the brand and Birkenstocks. It's in, the, it's, in the, it's in the Bible. Yeah. Was it harps, uh, Birkenstocks, and? Yeah. Everyone looks clouds. good with a heart. Harp. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Okay. Uh, Daniel? Uh, I, I obviously all the tabula rasa stuff was was incredible. I love uh, two two moments in particular when Anya says they're gonna use a spikes to to slay someone, a female someone. Who do those jerks think they are? Bloodsuckers that kill by sucking blood. Take it easy, Joe. And just the whole Joan <laughs> and Randy thing. It's like, oh are you ready, God. Randy? Ready, Joan? Like so <laughs> unreal, funny. Oh, God, it's just really great. She did such a great job of writing this episode. And just like it's really cute to have them all find out that they're superheroes. That was also excellent. Mm-hmm. And just like Buffy being like, I'm strong. I can do this. Like, I think I know why Joan's the leader. Don't mess with Joan the... 
Just the way she says Joan. I don't know the yeah. first time she, she's like, I feel like a Joan. It's <laughs> just like so, so emphasized. Joan. Joan. Yeah. Whatever so Joan. Whatever Umad. Oh it's my God. All so good. Umad, hilarious. <laughs> and then um, when he was like, Randy Giles, why don't you just call me Horny Giles? <laughs> We're desperate for a Shaq Giles. Randy Giles? Why not just call me Horny Giles or desperate for a Shag Giles? I knew there was a reason I hated you. Randy's uh, family name, undoubtedly. You could just quote the entire time of them yeah. just finding out who they are in the first interactions. It's so good. It's so it's good. so Ugh. funny. Still funny. Just like laughing out loud. Funny. Laugh out loud. Funny. Yep. Incredible. Absolutely. I'm uh, called Rupert Giles. I'm Willow Rosenberg. <laughs> Willow. Funny name. It's me. Alexander Harris. <laughs> Cute picture. Hey, I exist. I'm Anya. I'll name me Joan. Ugh. What? Did you just ugh my name? Tara. And, and look, I'm a student at UC Sunnydale. Me too. Hey, maybe we're study buddies. Hey, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sorry to nitpick about line reads, but Willow saying, I need you, baby. I need you was real rough for me. Just like the way she says it. I just, who does oh, like that? I don't know. I need you, baby. I need you. Oh, okay. Works on you. Great. <laughs> Never mind. Take it back. Sorry, Allison Hannigan. You did great. No, but even like when she's, yeah, well, I wrote that too. I like, not that part, but when she was like, violate you? Of course I didn't. Like, I, that was another weird line read to me too. It's like, yeah. I don't know if you're trying, either that's just like bad acting or if it's like, you're so disingenuous. And like any anyone, if if they were a real person in front of me, I would know that you're not taking this seriously. You were just in another place. Something about her side of that conversation really did feel weird, and I don't know how much of it was intentional. Because I think Tara seemed mm-hmm. really earnest and like upset, and, and and Amber Benson, this is the best job she's done on the entire show, acting Absolutely. like a hundred percent. So I don't know what Absolutely. it was. Maybe that just threw Allison Hannigan off. She's like, oh, but this is acting coming at me. I'm not ready. <laughs> We've been working together for like two and a half years, and this has never happened before. I don't know. Ouch. <laughs> Shots fired Amber Benson. I'm sorry. I it's think... not her fault that she's been given the worst character to play ever. <laughs> and the worst well, she has to play a new character every week. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, that's true. How could she keep up? <laughs> God. Anyway, station. Mm. Okay, so I didn't really write down a lot of the really hilarious lines because I feel like everyone knows what they are. So the only other thing that I wrote down, I thought it was really funny when um, Buffy and Spike realized that Spike's a vampire and she was like, I kill your kind. And I bite yours. (laughs) And I bite you. Which I love. Oh, my God. Spike saying that was so good, too. I bite yours. I kill your kind. And I bite yours. So how come I don't want to bite you? And why am I fighting other vampires? Alan Font. Yeah, so the Alan Font thing. Yeah, I don't right. know if you looked him up at all. No, I just, um, for, for years, I've, like, watching this episode, I'm like, who the fuck is Alan Font? What is this reference? Because everything up to, she says, Alan Font makes sense. He was a, on a radio show called The Candid Microphone from 1948 to 1949. Candid Microphone, of course, became Candid Camera. <gasps> The TV show Candy Camera, and he right. was the creator and the host for it from the 1940s until 1992. Oh my the, God! The show ran on every na- network, and obviously in syndication. I don't know if I ever saw it with him, just because I mean we're not that old. But like, fuck, you know, 50 plus years on on TV with just one show, and he parlayed this apparently in the 1980s into adult films 
called Candid Candid Camera. Oh, no. So I guess he's making some extra money. Although the the funniest thing that I found was in uh, 1969, um, him, his wife, and his two young kids were on uh, a flight from New Jersey to Miami, and it got hijacked. And the hijackers wanted to land in Cuba. And they thought they were on Candid Camera. Every passenger thought this was a fake stunt and he apparently throughout the whole flight was telling them that this is not on candid camera this is actually happening and no one believed him until they arrived in cuba and the hijackers got off the plane and it was real in the end but everybody on the on the whole flight thought that it was a fake and it was a prank shit man and it's like dude if everywhere you go you think you're just on candid camera what a nightmare world yeah, it used to be in in the fucking 1960s and 70s <laughs> if you just think you're always on candid camera and you're getting hijacked. Like, who knows what could have happened? And you just think, oh, this is hilarious until you crash or I mean, die or something. I mean, maybe it was wild. better, though, right? Because no one's freaking out. You're like, oh, this is just for a TV show. Yeah, there's like, ha, we're not going to get caught. So we're going to be calm. We're going to be chill. We're going to show you, Alan Font. Like, yeah, I don't know. Wild. I cannot believe that show started in the 40s. 40s. The, the yeah. candid microphone was the it was an originally on uh radio. That's nuts. Yep. Uh so again, I guess she's a big fan, Anya. I don't know, from other dimensions, watches Candid Camera. Well, I, I mean, she's very old. So she's very she old. was there from the beginning. She was the first candid camera fan. Maybe she was candid microphone fan. Mm, candid microphone fans. Okay. I just have to take issue with how far we've come as far like with vampires being able to be out in the daylight like we've pointed out so many times before but this is like a fucking bridge too far he's wearing a hat hat. (laughs) he put on a hat he put on a hat and that stopped the sun i just okay but it was a hat with flaps (laughs) it was a flap hat (laughs) like we have to have a little bit of integrity and consistency the blanket was already like come on man (laughs) put on a fucking hat do you remember do you remember i just like we used to I feel like we pretended we cared about the sunlight before. <laughs> we used to care, but now. Who used to care? God damn. All right. Sorry. But things have changed. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really funny that Buffy and Dawn don't have wallets on them. Like they're just. Of course they don't. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, ladies' pants don't often have pockets and she didn't have her purse with her or anything. Okay, so. but Willow and Tara both had. I mean, you're going out into the world, man. I mean, don't you need to be a little ready? Dawn, I'll forgive Dawn. But Buffy, come on, man. Are you an adult or not an adult? What does she need? She can't drive. She she doesn't have a license. She doesn't have any money. She doesn't have a job. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. She has no... Well, she just got 10 Gs up in the bank, so I think she can go buy some fucking milk. Oh, wait. You forgot your wallet. So fucking what are we doing? (laughs) All right. Yeah, fair enough. I guess... I mean, Dawn's young enough that you could get away with not having a wallet. I mean, I definitely had a wallet when I was her age, but, you know. Whatever. <laughs> but you're just better than Dawn. Yeah, so I mean, clearly. We get, we get it. Um, Xander immediately coming out swinging. Okay, who are you freaks? Dude, you don't know anything about this situation. <laughs> Everyone, as far as you can tell, looks like, you know, quote unquote normal. There's no demons immediately in your face. You're just like in a store. Just, ah! He's, no. No. See, but that's what I was saying. That's like, that would be a reaction I could understand. It's just like, what the fuck is going on? Who are you freaks? Jeez, Who are man. you freaks, though? Why do you keep screaming that at me? It's starting to feel personal. Don't worry. You have a blanket on, so you'll be protected from the sun. Wow. Is that what we're talking about? No. Damn. Wow. Uh, Dawn just singing, ants go marching one by one. Like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> so weird. 
so I looked marching it up. one by one. Apparently, it's based on a popular song from the Civil War called sure. Johnny, When Johnny Comes Marching Home. You know, we've all when heard When Johnny that Comes song. Marching Home Again, hurrah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the melody is based on that, and it's just a kid made in, I, I, it looks like just the 20th century sometimes. So famous recordings of that song, got Andrew's sisters, Bing Crosby, uh, Dropkick Murphys, Patti LaBelle, and Guns N' Roses apparently did a whistling version oh, on, Jesus. Uh, in their 1991 Use Your Illusion album. So, you know, enjoy that, everybody. The thing that everyone was clamoring for, the whistling yes. version of <laughs> When Ants Go Marching <laughs> by Guns N' Roses. Uh, another painful line read, I smell fear. It smells good. Come on. Yeah. I mean, that was more of a uh, situation of you have, what can you do? You have to read the lines because like that was not a good one. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Rebecca. You could have done better. Um, just to bring up the ending, man. What the fuck? What the fuck? Um, the Michelle Branch thing, I disassociated from my body. <laughs> I thought, so I thought we were in a different sh- show. I thought this was a different show. But it is so great in a way. And I was so... Stoked, not only with the transition from Willow and Tara into Giles and them, very old school, it just felt like old Buffy. And obviously, like, a lot of, like, our references are old Buffy and, like, you know, Xander and and Willow just, like, sleeping next to each other and stuff. And then just to get this fucking weird concert at the Bronze for no reason. And it's fucking Michelle Branch and it's a fucking banger. Like, so good. I loved it all. It was a whole motherfucking song. And we just get her big-ass face just montage with all of our friends. It was the music wild. Video. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if, do you think she's the biggest person they've had actually on the show or like the most re- famous recognized? Because that was peak Michelle Branch too. But like that's right when the spirit room came out. I'm sure that's the only reason she was on the show is that whoever her NR rep was, was like, yeah, go on Buffy. The thing's hot, hot, hot. Get your, your face out there right, for the album. Um, I, I mean, Chibo Mato, they they weren't no. they never they had like one song on the radio but it was after Viva the Woman which is the the album that they were playing for on the at the Bronze I, I think this is it I think Michelle Branch is definitely like the biggest name and I can't think of anybody in season seven that they would have other than uh, what is her name uh, Yep so not important Well the the girl the R and B singer she's in a couple of Ashanti Ashanti she's in the episode first date Oh that's uh, right. in season she, seven she but she doesn't sing. perform so. I don't think that counts. But yeah, she great. And this the version that she does on here is fucking beautiful. It is way a hundred times better than the um, album version because the album version is kind of just the end part where it's like all the Rocky, the whole band comes in. But having that cool transition of the just acoustic and beautiful, beautiful. It's great. It is weird. It is really like an out of body experience because especially like the really lingering, lingering on Willow's like bad cry face is just like, what's happening? So it. uh, Yeah. But it felt good. It felt we haven't done this in a long time, so that mm-hmm. felt great. I yes. enjoyed that a lot. Willow and Tara just roll around on the ground while Sanders potentially getting killed by a vampire. I just thought that was mwah. memory or no memory. Man is like fighting for his life, and you guys are just like yeah. your hair. So I just something about you. I don't know. <laughs> Who cares about it was Alex? that that whole thing in the fucking sewer was so dumb. Like Alex coming out and getting. Fucking just like I don't know, getting into the fight with the with the fucking vampire. It was bad. It's like it's classic Alex shit, you know. Classic fucking <laughs> Alex. What a loser. Uh, the last two things I got are one, just like can we talk about the CG fucking fight with the Bone Man? The skeleton, like, the skeleton. Oh, yeah. Bone Man. Dude. The Bone Dude. Man. <laughs> I thought that was. I was so not fun. expecting that. It was so great. <laughs> it was really fun, but very very late 90s CG. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
short yeah, I'm, man. I'm sh- Oh man, I'm person. just shocked that they didn't do a snake. I mean, why didn't you do a snake? It would have been a perfect. <laughs> it should have been a snake, a snake skeleton. Eat the bunnies. Ooh, snake eating the Fuck. bunnies is too dark. Yeah, it's too dark, and there's Not a bunny great. up in the scene too. Yeah, they're, I love that everywhere. she just kept calling more of them. It's so funny. Not that, but yeah, look. you're right. They just—it's all about that magic, man. Anyone can do it. Yeah. Jesus Christ. My intuition tells me this is the book, and I figure, being a magic shop owner and a natural at the supernatural, I should trust my intuition. It's fine, but uh, as you recall, I, I too am a magic shop owner. True, but my intuition says that you're not so much the magic guy and more of a paperwork type. The last one I got is Xander saying, uh, when he laughed, he's like, I just got my memory from King Ralph mm-hmm. back. And Have you ever heard of King Ralph? Have you ever yeah. seen it? It's a 1991 comedy from David S. Ward, who did The Sting, both Major Leagues, and Sleepless in Seattle. So he won awards for mm. all of those. Starring John Goodman, although Bill Murray was considered for the role, uh, Peter O'Toole, and John Hurt. Apparently, uh, it's a Vegas lounge singer. John Goodman is playing a Vegas lounge singer. The entire royal family gets killed in an electrocution event. Oh. And so they're trying to find anyone related to the royal family. And lo and behold... It's John Goodman, and he's <laughs> he just got fired from his job as a lounge singer. Hilarity ensues. Nice. Um, Siskel and Ebert, give it two thumbs down. <laughs> uh, William Thomas of Empire Magazine uh, wrote, he gave it two out of five stars, and said that it was, quote, poor, even for a funny because he's fat film. <laughs> nice. Okay? nice. And it's a 4.7 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes. So... You know, go out there and enjoy it, everybody. I mean, four point seven is not the worst. We've watched a lot. It's of not bad the worst. Movies. I mean, it's probably really stupid bad. I mean, and also like Peter O'Toole, John Hurt, like some good shit. John Goodman. John Goodman. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Is there a woman in the movie? Uh, doubtful. Uh, he does get with a girl <laughs> named Margie, but I don't know who Margie is played by <laughs> because it's all. Not it's important. just uh, yeah. Not relevant. No, not important. Mm. Yeah. Uh, obviously not important. No. <laughs> We're looking for a king. Future king of England. Come on now. Yeah, I just read the first sentence. Um, <laughs> I mean, so fair I don't enough. know what it, if it happens. Yeah, I, does, you know what? If I were to guess, he probably is not going to become the king, and he's going to like just not do it. And someone else is going to do it, and he's just going to be a lounge singer. That's my guess. Yeah, that sounds... But who knows? Or like they'll find a long-lost relative that is higher in succession than him right at the end, and it's okay because he learned along the way that he didn't really want yes. that job anyway. Or is it because they found another relative named Arthur and that felt more kingly? Yeah, obviously. Sure, sure. But he's going to find love, and it's going to be great. He's going to be a lounge singer in London. He's going to mar- marry royalty. Gonna- Margie, possibly. I mean, that sounds pretty great. But if Xander likes it, do we want to even see it? No. I mean, that's a question yeah. for your own tastes out there, so... Okay. Well, thanks for doing the legwork on that. So many fine research moments yeah. from both of you today. Thank yeah. you so much. Gosh. You're welcome. Uh, I think it is time to rank this sucker. Tabula rasa. Tabula rasa. Tabula rasa. I think it is time to be updated on the watches. What was that? Look. Xander construction outfit watch. No. We but. Have left. No. No is right. But why did he have that shirt with his name on it? He's never mm. been a mechanic. He's never like He's a foreman. Right. But uh, yeah, but I'm saying like so he had it all he was wearing it. 
It's not a construction outfit, oh, but that, wow. the only reason why he would wow. have that shirt is because of his construction job, right? I don't think he would have worked anywhere else that he would have had like a you know a work shirt with his name embroidered on it like that. So I, I don't sure. know. I feel like maybe we could count that. Well, I'm going to edit out this dissent. So no. <laughs> Uh, no, that's a good point. Uh, I don't know. I mean, because, yeah, he's a foreman, of course. Do foremen have that? I don't, I don't know. know. It seems like a bowling jacket. I mean, it's Or like strange. a mechanic shirt. Like, not. it doesn't seem like a construction right. thing, so I get it, but also, why else would he yeah. have it? Who knows? Who knows? Maroon jacket, watch, slash Anya belt alert. Uh, Anya's in dresses the whole time, yeah. and... Buffy is wearing like the pants that are leather and they remind like for a second I thought that her pants were maroon, but they were just brown leather, oh, yeah. but they yeah. did look like it. But no, not none for either. Dawn's piercing screams. You betcha. We got it twice. Uh, she screamed uh, when Spike fell from the counter, of course. All right. And also screamed for Alex, yes. as we've already talked about as well. Uh, Chips Ahoy. Yes. Randy and Joan quarrel. And then Randy says, you know, why don't I want to bite you? So they're talking about the chips. They don't know that they have it. Right. But I think that's good enough for me. Uh, Willow's becoming too powerful, eh? And I said, yes, that's what the episode is about, eh? Tara certainly (laughs) thinks so, eh? Uh, Buffy has a personality. No. Still, (laughs) no personality. To Hoffman Watch. No, still. Tara and Willow are on the pot again. Okay, yes. Tara and Willow. Oh, man have both thought about heaven as clouds, Birkenstocks and harps. I'm convinced of that. So they were totally fine with that conversation. Tara leads every conversation that she's uncomfortable with, uh, with quote, not to be miss psycho pep squad. <laughs> I, I'm convinced of that. Uh, she has a saucy. Oh, fine. Oh my God. When she says fine to Willow after she comes out of the shower and she's like, I'll see you later. Oh yeah. She's like, fine. And I was like, okay, she's obviously on some drugs right there. That was rude. Um, uh, Anya and Tara were playing a thumb. They were playing they were, a thumb war. Well, yeah, they were thumb wrestling, thumb which this is what not the, the f- first time that Tara has thumb wrestled on camera during a real meet. Her and Dawn are sitting on the sidewalk outside of the magic box. Right. Dawn can't go in to see the dead body and they're fucking thumb wrestling. This is what Tara's like. I am baked. What do I do? I can't keep talking because they'll, they'll know because I'm bad at talking. Yeah. Let's just thumb wrestle. It's fine. Let's do that. It's fine. Anya, please, please thumb wrestle with me. What <laughs> yeah. what the fuck? Who are you? Um, Tara, even her tabula rasa itself, is stoked about magic shops. Everyone else is trying to figure out who they are. <laughs> this is a and the first time we hear from Tara, she's like, this is a fucking magic shop. This is a real So she's magic astute. Shop. <laughs> she's astute. Um, and in the end, as I said, where is Tara going to go with her one box? Yeah. Is she going to go to her drug dealer's house? Is that <laughs> Willow's drug dealer? No, no, different. Uh, kind of like drugs. in a breakup, do they have to? Does the drug dealer have to choose sides? Um, so that's a little bit complicated. Uh, and then I, um, I was, I also wanted to note. Uh, oh, just it, it felt like when Buffy and Don were talking that they were baked as well. Like just their their first reaction to get together obviously speaks to their their tight connection. But just ever like Buffy, the first thing she does is just like. Touching her hair, stroking her face like that, <laughs> even with the connection, like a little too that's familiar. fucking weird, <laughs> yeah. very weird. And then just like umad or whatever, and just like, what are you guys talking about? So, <laughs> oh, I think everyone's a little high. Uh, I do. We kind of talked about this before. Like, do Willow Terra still have dorms? If so, like those are expensive, and that money should be going to fucking paying for Buffy's mom's house oh, because yeah. no one has a job. Uh, so, do we think that maybe Tara? 
has a she must oh. right still has that fucking dorm room this Can whole time see where she ends up i'm assuming she no. just went to a hotel oh you think so yeah yeah i don't think they have a dorm room oh not her parents no she has no family because her mom's dead and her, have any family her dad hates her yeah yeah, oh. yeah right right <laughs> i suppose you wanted me to see all these toys you don't even try to hide it anymore she got the worst end of everything and then <laughs> lost all of her friends yeah. and, and her died. little sister Yep. Yeah, it then dies. Great. <laughs> her good, child. Good. Her little sister daughter. <laughs> her oh. sister. Her daughter. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Michael Wicket, Amy Gothwatch, as we've said, yes, Giles, Anya, doing spells left and right. Um, you know, it, they, actually, we didn't see very much of anybody else in this episode except for the shark man and his, like, two minions. So mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of people to do spells, but we're going to give it to them. Uh, Buffy charging $1 for everyone asking if she's okay. I said I want to give her a dollar um, because she kind of like, you know, she's just like, everybody's sorry. I can't do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not really asking if she's OK, but it's like that implication is there. And she kind of has a breakdown moment. So it's almost like addressing what people are feeling. I felt the same impulse. Like, I was like, oh, this yeah. is ooh, so close. It's so close. Everyone's asking me if so, I'm OK. Everyone's saying they're sorry. I think it counts. It counts. So four dollars total. So she's, gonna, she's on her way to a meal at the Double Meat Palace yes. for one night. One night only. Uh, Books a million. Yes, Xander suggests a book club briefly uh, to bring Buffy back into the world. So we get a little of that. Willow holds up weird books with weird covers, including Magic for Beginners. So, yeah, there was a pretty good amount of books. And obviously Anya and Giles going through the books like crazy. Streets Ahead, no, but it is nice to be back in the sewers again. We just (laughs) Uh, need a giant CGI snake. And then we would feel right. Yeah, you you were correct. What are you do? I didn't even think about it, but this <clears throat> did have a serious lack of snakes for going to the sewer. Yeah, no snakes. Totally. Come on. Totally. Uh, it's it's not great. And then Giles' biggest KO. Yes, he was fake married to Anya, which was <laughs> rough on him emotionally, <laughs> psychologically, everything. Really, really kind of I think fucked him up. Um, also, he gets uh, bested by a CGI skeleton out of Windows ninety five. So <laughs> that, he's this type of character that's like dancing on the side of a uh, side of the screen, you know. Back in the day on Windows 95. Oh, yeah. Definitely some clippy energy. Mm -hmm. Tough stuff. So poor Giles. And goodbye, Giles. See you later. You fucking left. So I guess that's the biggest KO. No. Rupee, I'm sorry. You were right. That was the wrong book. Well, thank you for the update. Mm -hmm. Um, Giles is going to be gone again. Gosh, I didn't even let that sink in. It's too bad. Are we going to see him this season at all? I know he comes back at the beginning of next season. Uh, at the end, of, he fights Willow, remember? Yeah. Oh. Well, I remember, here's the crayons. Right. Remember the colors of the crayons? That's not him, though. That's Xander. That's no, Xander. no, but. He fights her before that. Mm-hmm. Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah, and he like, almost, she almost kills him. Yeah, he's like, a whole coven told me that you're going to oh. destroy the world, so they gave me all their magic, and I'm going to fight you with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. she's like, because okay. she's taunting. It's uh, we're gonna watch it but anyway. Yeah, so she, yeah, Willow goes wow. to the magic box. Buffy's like, I'm gonna kick your ass, and Willow's like, you know, I'm way more powerful than you. Whatever. There's nothing in that can stop me yeah. now. And then Giles comes in. He's like, fireball, and he's like, I'd like to test that theory. <laughs> Credits. And like, yeah, fucking Giles. And then the whole next episode, they're like fighting, and the magic box is like collapsing, and then Willow escapes because she beats the shit out of Giles, and then goes to the effigy to, to the, the, kill, the end of the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Anyway, yeah. Fucking awesome, dude. I'm so here for this. <laughs> okay. Well, now it's time for real to rank this sucker. Willow hack slash we talk about the net slash something wicked this way comes. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. 
I gave it a four. We're trending. It's beginning. The negative ride of magic is beginning. Season six. Uh, Giles, level of Giles. Look, man, he wasn't himself. He literally wasn't himself in this episode. And when he was himself, he did a shitty thing by walking away from Buffy for basically no reason. So I gave him a three. Things aren't Mm. looking good. Dawn, however, Dawn needs an adult. No, I gave her a 10. She's around people who are practically strangers, but these stranger versions of our friends are taking care of her very well. So they are. I, you know, I think she's okay. I think of any of the other episodes we've dealt with recently, she's pretty much okay. Mm-hmm. This is unprecedented. Monster the of the week, fan. teeth. Come on, man. Perfect. Amazing. <laughs> Shark man. The makeup is great. And like, while Willow isn't necessarily the monster of the week, she is kind of the crux of why the episode happens, which for me is the theme, right? Monster of the week is the thing that's going on. So great premise for an episode. A lot of fun. Gave it a 10. Also, this is a really low-ranking episode, which breaks my heart. So I got to give 10s where I got to give them. Relationship goodness or badness. Speaking of, Buffy and Spike, if you're into that, it seems like that's going on. That's good. Basically, everyone else, terrible. Just mm. terrible. Hello, Tara. Break up. Giles is leaving. Things are bad. Also, Xander and Anya, I guess, are there. But yeah, I gave that a three for relationship goodness or badness. An episode specific, basically all everything we talked about. I mean, fucking pick a line. They're all perfect. Take it easy, Joan. <laughs> Ready, Randy? <laughs> Ready, Joan? Uh, stay away from Randy! <laughs> and uh, Dawn screaming Alex is one of the best moments of the entire series for me. So uh, 10 out of 10, for sure. Because everything is <laughs> It's so funny. It's so funny even just thinking about it. <laughs> Stay yeah. away from Randy. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Anyway. Station. Uh, oh, wait. Sorry. That 10 out of 10. And then that's uh, a 40. I forgot I do the other parts. I was just so excited about all the quotes. <laughs> so 40, which is very low because I think this episode is so funny. But also it does like it has its like we, as we pointed out, some weaknesses where the yeah. dialogue's a little weird sometimes and just maybe the motivations and the actual practicality of the spell or whatever. But I still think it deserves a higher place than it got. But what can you do about science? Facts is facts. You know what I mean? So this puts it six for the season so far. That would be one above Bargaining Part 2 and one beneath Afterlife. Station. Mm. Uh, okay, so I ranked this 11 out of nice. 108. Nice! That is like the highest one in a while. Well, I mean, it most more with feeling okay, whatever, but still. So the only reason why I ranked this is, frankly, because I like the synergy in my list. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what that means is that one above it is something blue, which for the plot for that I wrote Willow curses everyone. Yes. Buffy Mary Spike, nice. Xander is a demon magnet. And one below Tabula Rasa is Doppelgangland. Nice. Which mm. for that plot I wrote Vamp Willow, comma, I think I'm a little gay. I think I'm kinda gay. She <laughs> says that in this one too. And so for Tabula right. Rasa I wrote Willow curses everyone. I think I'm a little gay. <laughs> <laughs> which I feel like is just a beautiful It's about that is synergy. Nice. It's the three, you know, Willow episodes. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I, I like, like that. It. Okay. What's <clears throat> more feelings number two? I forgot. There was so many. I mean, just last week. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to forget. Okay. Well, number 11. Great. 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 Dana, where'd you put it? You're not going to believe this. Number 11 as well. Ah! 11 out of 137. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I, uh, Beautiful. yeah. I mean, for the same things we said, I'm like, I, I wanted like top 10. It's like, it, I think it's good enough, but. 
I'm going to hold out a little longer, mainly just for exactly the reason why yours are lower. It's just some motivation stuff. I do like the old Buffy stuff where it just feels weird and like we have a music video, mm. but I don't know. I don't really need those anymore. Those can stay in the past a little bit. So yeah, it's a uh, number 11 for me. It's one above band candy, which is number 12. Mm. Um, I think just plot wise, you know, obviously Tara and Willow, it's like, yeah. that's pretty seismic. Uh, and then, yeah, number 10 is still open. And then number nine is the gift. Number eight is the Zeppo and number seven is hush. So I still have four five and six open as well, but I can't justify it for this. So yeah, number 11, uh, one above band candy. So wow. pretty good. You. I know. I know four, five and six, dude, what are you going to do? Four, five and six. You're running out of I'm episodes. <laughs> chosen selfless. Yeah. Ah, uh, storyteller. What else? Maybe. Wrecked, smashed. I mean, come on. Obviously, yeah. four and five. So. Wrecked and smashed. Oh, that's four sure. and five right there. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I forgot. Oh, you mean four and five at the bottom? Yes. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. See, next week is right. That's that next week, right? Is is wrecked or smashed? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, oh my god. Well, yeah. before we get there, I need to know desperately if you have anything else to say about this episode, Stacia. Um, I do not. Okay, Dan. What about this episode? This episode, I do not have anything to say. Okay. Well. Next week is in fact smashed. We this is we're, we're already we've done my whole life wrecked and smashed. It always wrecked us first. It's not true. Surprise, your innocence oh, is gone. Really? We're gonna have to figure out how we how we fix smashed it. Smashed and wrecked. Yeah, you get Terrible. smashed so you get in a wreck. You, okay. What? Smashed, that doesn't make any wreck. sense. Yeah, you get in a smash. You get smashed. You drink, and then you get in a wreck. No. Wrecked. Mm. Car wreck. Because that's a current lingo. I'm gonna get smashed tonight. Yeah. 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 Right, yes. Smash, getting smashed. Anyway, smash this next. Uh, You're saying wrecked? It's not wrecked and smashed? Fuck. No, it's That's smashed and then wrecked. I know. Fucking my whole life. Mm-hmm. Just blown up, just like that. Yeah. Um, prepare yourself for the return of one Amy Madison. It is happening. But until I thought then. it was the Hoffren. No, of course not. Fuck. Get your head out of your ass. Come on. He's never does coming it, back. Does Michael Wicket Amy <laughs> Gothwatch, does it make... Is she just de facto? It's a yes oh hell yeah, man! Amy's Come on, in it. I mean, let's go. It's called there. Michael Amy Wickagathlodge. She's one of the two names. Where's Michael? Uh, on Third Rock from the Sun. Oh my God, dude! <laughs> Real talk. That actor is a recurring character on the show, and I pointed it out, and I was like, and and his best friend in the show is fucking Wendell from Buffy too, and I was like, oh my <laughs> what? God, what's happening? It was incredible, and I'm. They've so had happy. a lot of Buffy actors on the show. They have, yeah. Uh, wow. Fucking Pam or Pat from a uh, Pam from Dead Man's Party is on it. The oh wow, yeah, okay. Empanadas, empanadas, empanadas. I made a banana. Wow. Empanada. And there was like two. How is that show? It's funny. It's good. Is it's it good? good? Yeah, I mean, I watched it when I was. Or, I mean, I remember seeing episodes, but I never like watched it. Watched it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely got it all those like funny. you know. 90s sexism ha 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 things yes. but it's it's pretty funny and Lithgow's yeah. faces are just like incredible he, sure he's sure. he's, he's yeah. nice. Gordon Levitt him well, and Gordon then um, his like love interest Mary they both have hilarious yeah. faces yeah so yeah. it's worth watching I mean you know we are always looking for a short sitcom so it's it's a short meaning you know like 20 yeah. minute whatever oh yeah 20 minutes yeah totally oh yeah but it's got like five seasons five six seasons so. oh yeah, yeah at least yeah anyway what the fuck was I saying oh yeah Join us next week for Smashed, Not Wrecked. That'll be after that. But until then, Stacia, say goodbye. Goodbye. Daniel, say goodbye. Oh, Rupee dear, you were right. <laughs> that was the wrong podcast. Rupee. I forgot about Rupee. It's terrible. Rupee. Oh, God. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Okay, bye. And far, the ladies are
hearts will be in a whirl to wind up stealing the sergeant's girl. How they'll carry on when Johnny comes marching home. How are you? I'm a little confused. I mean, I'm a little sweaty. Trapped. No memory. Hiding in a pipe from a vampire. And I think I'm kind of gay. Johnny comes marching home. The bugle will blow. He'll let everyone know when Johnny. A vampire with a soul? God, how lame is that? We need to go. Ready, Randy? Ready, Joan.